0: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.
1: You're listening to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Six years of U.S. team dominance comes to an end here in the 2016 Futures game at Petco Park in San Diego. Nine runs over the final two innings, and the world team wins at 11-3. Tim McMaster here, along with Jim Callison, Jonathan Mayo. It turned around in the eighth. Yohan Mankata, the Red Sox number one prospect, two-run homer. They go from a rundown to a run-up, and he's your MVP.
0: He is. You know, we've got to see a little bit of everything from Yomankata today. We've got to see him make a nice defensive play on speedy Red Sox organization made Andrew Benatendi. We've got to see him steal the base. And Anthony Banda hung a changeup. It was a terrible pitch, flat changeup, and just crushed it into the upper deck in left field. That's why Yomankata is the best prospect in the Futures game. We knew that. He might be the best prospect in baseball,
2: and he showed why today. We haven't done our re-rankings yet, but I think there will be a a lot of attention given to him when we do decide to do it just because of that five-tool potential. And it's not often when the guy who's thought to be the most dynamic prospect in a game like this actually shows all of his tools all in one game, and that's exactly what Moncada did. The MVP did come
1: into doubt a little bit late because Aloy Jimenez three run shot in the ninth he goes two for three four rbis Plays some great defense as well the cubs number 10 prospect yeah
2: i actually might have voted for him based on what he did i mean his double run scoring double got them on the board for the first time hit the big three-run homer that probably would still be going if it hadn't hit the building in left field. And then that catch in right field. They talk about a kid who is just starting to figure things out. It took him a little while in the Cubs' system. A major, major international signing. Full-season ball this year, starting to put it all together. Did not shy away from the bright lights at all here in the Futures game.
0: Yeah, and he and Gleyber Torres were the two prime signees in the Cubs' international class a few years ago. Eloy Jimenez was the number-one-ranked international prospect Hawes was the guy who got off to a faster start, but Jimenez has really come on this year in low Class A. He's a guy, you know, a guy. When we're talking about revamping the rankings. I think he's literally going to be the next guy added to our top 100 prospects list when we update it. When we need another cannon, and when we revamp it, he may jump into the middle of the list around number 50 or so. This guy's super talented, fits a right field profile. I would have loved to have seen what the Cubs team officials were doing when he went for that catch in right field, because I'm sure they're like, "Oh my God, he doesn't need to be like risking injury." But what, what a great play down right field, and then showed off that power. I don't know if you heard me. We were sitting together up here, and right before he came up, right before the pitch, I said, Tim, this guy could hit this out, and, and he crushed it, and so he did. I think if we had all filed our MVP votes after the ninth inning, he might have won. I will admit I filed mine in the eighth. I actually voted for Alex Bregman, and literally the next pitch, you almost know, caught a kind of homer, so I immediately refiled my vote. If I had waited, but they wanted the bounce in the eighth inning, Jimenez very well could have been the MVP. How about Bregman? Triple, double, single his first three at
1: bats, had two shots to go for the cycle, couldn't get it done.
0: Yeah, the first half of the game, he was the MVP. Uh, you know, turned around, I think it was like a 98 mile an hour fastball, or went the other way with a 98 mile an hour fastball from Alex Reyes for the triple. I mean, he's one of the best prospects in baseball, too. I mean, I've been writing, I think I've written this two or three times. I like think you wrote it in a fantasy column this week for, for MLB Pipeline. The guy should be playing third base in Houston right now. The Astros are contending, that guy, great makeup, great bat. You saw why he was number two pick in last year's draft. I'd I'd put him in Houston right now, play him at third base. I think he'd handle it offensively, defensively, great makeup. We talked to him yesterday, chip on his shoulder. I didn't get a chance to talk to him after the game. I'm sure he's ticked off about making the error that opened the 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 opportunity for Mancada to hit the go-ahead homer.
2: Well, during the broadcast, we showed a close-up of him, and he clearly was not pleased with himself. I, in the end, it didn't really matter, but, uh, you know, and those last two at-bats, this is not the kind of player who typically tries to hit the ball out. He takes what's given to him, and he's got enough bat speed and strength to be able to get the ball out on, on a regular occasion. He's hit a good amount of homers. He's not the swing-out-of-your-shoes home run kind of guy. That's probably why he didn't do so those last couple of at-bats, but you know there's a reason why he's probably been maybe the best pure offensive performer and i agree with jim he should be playing third base in houston very very soon we continue on with the pipeline podcast here
1: from san diego from petco park and you can hear the noise in the background the the celebrity softball game is going on so that's why the people are cheering they don't think this podcast is that good
0: they're cheering for jonathan (laughs) what are you talking about he came down out the mlb network booth they're
1: cheering for him but, uh, but what a futures game it was, and we'll continue on. I mean, we, we talked about the real stars of this game, but we didn't talk about any pitching, and there was some good pitching in this game as well. It started really with the starters. The local kid, Joe Musgrove, came out through a scoreless frame, one, two, three, uh, a nice performance from him in front of the town he grew up in.
2: Yeah, well, there, there are two things that, that Joe Musgrove you know does really really well one is throw strikes and two gets ground balls and he did both of those three ground ball outs filled up the strike zone I mean you just have to be impressed because we've seen guys on this stage he's in his own hometown he had never gotten the chance to pitch at petco park his high school team had played here but he didn't pitch so this was his first time uh, a ballpark that he used to come to as a kid and he completely stayed within himself and did what he can do Uh, you know he's been in AAA for a short amount of time and I think he's figuring things out at that level the, the PCL is a tough place to pitch but today he showed why he's a guy because of the command with decent stuff this isn't a real soft tosser right? we should give him more credit than that but he throws all of his pitches for strikes and everything was down in the zone.
0: Yeah I was going to say exactly the same thing I mean it was what you expected out of Joe Mutzgrove little last strikes got three ground balls very efficient. Uh, the way the bullpen blew up at the end, I bet they wish they'd let Joe Musgrove go two innings in his home park and things might have been a little different at the end.
1: Alex Reyes was the starter for the world team and he's a guy that I think before the suspension, a lot of people thought would maybe already be up up with the Cardinals, but he was impressive not just because of uh, you know the scoreless inning in two-thirds, four strikeouts and popping triple digits multiple times.
0: Yeah, I think he hit one-on-one three times, hit 100, a couple others. Yeah, and it was interesting, you kind of saw what Alex Reyes was about today as well. Big velocity, still needs to work on the command a little bit, still needs to work on the control. He walked to, as hard as he was throwing, he gave up two hits, gave up two walks, an inning and two-thirds, did wriggle out of a couple jams, very impressed. I was impressed, but we alluded to Bregman earlier. Bregman went the other way after seeing a 101-mile-an-hour fastball, went the other way with a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, hit it in the gap, and. Tyler O'Neill kind of auditioned to be a D.H. Uh, He looked terrible. Turned a, uh, I don't know what he was doing, but I guess he got scored as a triple because he didn't come anywhere close to getting to the ball. And then how about Ryan Healy turning on, I think it was 100 miles an hour, and hitting it down the left field line. So, even though he was throwing hard, I mean, a couple guys squared him up pretty good. A lot of guys threw hard. Go ahead, more on Reyes. No, I want
2: to say about, about Reyes, that being said, you look at where the Cardinals are, some of the trouble that they've had in the bullpen, especially, i still think you want him to develop as a starter until he shows he can't do it anymore anybody that can throw that hard and he maintains that velocity deep in the starts let him continue to work in the pan but for this short term i don't see how he can't help that bullpen out in the second half of of this season and and the cardinals have done that before with, with guys who are starters in the past you know who they let relieve at least for uh, a little while there uh, as I I think someone just went yard in the, yeah, a a softball, in the game, softball game so it's uh, they, they don't love my Alex Reyes analysis <laughs> that much but uh, yeah I mean I, I I saw a guy there who could come out for an inning or two and help St. Louis down the stretch without question.
0: I also liked how he batted out of the jams he got himself in right. he had runners on third with one out in both innings neither run scored you know it's been a weird year in St. Louis pitching wise I don't think they've had any of their starters miss a start yet and one of the weird things that might help him contribute this year is he had a 50-game suspension after he tested positive for marijuana last year. Part of it got served in the Arizona Fall League. But that's a way that it will keep his innings down. This isn't a guy where you're going to run out of innings with him late in the year because right. he missed a month and a half. So I agree with you. I think that he will be a starter long term. Carlos Martinez, when he came up, got a lot of exposure in the bullpen. And their bullpen has had some problems this year. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if we saw him in the second half and then in shorter stints, the command isn't necessarily needed to be as sharp, and you don't have to worry about the changeup as much either. How
1: about some other ch- uh, pitchers that impressed? I mean, Ronaldo Lopez, he's another guy who hit triple digits in this game. He worked uh, a 1-2-3 inning as well. Yeah, I liked it because
2: he mixed in uh, the, the differential between his breaking ball and that fastball was considerable. slow breaking ball uh, relatively and then came back with the, with the 99 and, and spotted up pretty well. So he, he definitely stood out. Um, Carson Fulmer yeah I like, right.
0: I like Carson Fulmer yeah he wasn't throwing I've seen him throw harder he kind of sat around 94 95 but he got a strikeout on change changeup got a strikeout on a breaking ball threw a lot of strikes which is something he had problems with at the beginning of the season but he's been better recently you know of Josh Hader again uh, I mean it's not strategy is not a part of the futures game but they let Josh Hader face one batter he blew Josh Naylor away with his fastball I think he averaged about 95 on five fastballs and, and then the U.S. took him out and ran into trouble with JT and Ryan Stanek just had nothing in the ninth. Threw hard, but but everything was up and they got pounded.
2: Well, didn't well didn't Hater come in? Didn't Hater come in and back of Shaguan?
0: No, he he faced. Oh, one he batter faced one batter. One batter. Okay. They took him out because they wanted to get the last right. two arms right. in the ninth inning, which I understand you want to see everybody, but it's just the way the pitching worked out. The guys who pitched well pitch shorter stints, right, and, and then they ran out of pitching. and so Stanek just threw hard. Both threw very hard. I think Stanek hit 100, or at least 99. Close, right? But they were up in the strike zone again. You know, had trouble throwing strikes, and then when they were in the zone, got hit. Right,
2: and the World Team was really squaring balls up. There were there were no cheapies in that in that yeah. in that big ninth inning too. I commented early in the
1: game, I think, that it just it was sloppy, and you see that in All-Star games a lot of times, nerves or whatever. But while there was sloppy play, man, we saw some great defensive efforts throughout this game uh, you mentioned Mankata a little bit but how about the doll throw you saw Margot, Margot. bring a home run back Aloy Jimenez the play in right field I mean there was some great defense
2: I would say if I'm a Padres fan and I know everyone's been clamoring for Hunter Renfro to get here because they see the big home run totals and I think he deserves a shot obviously the the veterans in the outfield in San Diego make that a little more complicated but if I watch this game and I saw what Manny Margot can do I mean he he, he drove in a run, I think. He got, a, he had a base hit. He scored a run, scored from first on on Jimenez's double. Yeah, he was Just flying, flew yeah. around the bases, and then uh, covered a ridiculous amount of ground. We had the stat cast on during the broadcast. He went like 120 feet at 20 and a half miles per hour. Uh, Did they
1: have a route efficiency
2: on that? Because that was my 95.5. See, it, it seemed a little
1: worse than that, but.
2: Well, you know, I think think what he does is he he got to the warning track quickly and then realized that he needed to cut over. And, you know, uh, Matt Viscurgeon was saying that they didn't used to have those cutouts in the fences here. So it was a little bit lower. A few years ago, he may not have had the opportunity to bring that one back unless he was able to get up more. But knowing Margot, but, you know, pretty dynamic guy to have at the top of a lineup. And then
1: you talked about Jimenez's play a little bit. I mean, the guys that start
2: offensively start defensively. Yeah, he did. You know, Jimenez went,
0: you know, didn't quite fall all the way over, but, like, kind of leapt into the down the right field line, over railing, caught the ball, and then caught himself before he fell all the way in, lost a pair of sunglasses, everything went flying. But, uh, like I said, I'm sure the Cubs were watching that going, please don't get hurt. Right. Just. Just pull up. You don't need to go catch a foul ball in the Futures game. But no, he was he was spectacular and Dahl, it's funny, we had no like real, I mean, Mankata's play was nice but there was no like play where you really went, wow, in the first five innings defensively and then we had a bunch at the end. You mentioned Dahl's throw. Uh, somewhat fortunate that Josh Naylor was running the bases, a faster runner, I think probably beats the throw, but he threw uh, a strike like on a line right to home plate. and. It was an easy out, and ended what was the world's first rally.
2: I'll throw in, Car- I'll throw in Carlos Osweh's play at shortstop later in the game, uh, also against Carson Kelly. Which, you know, let me kind of like, What's I- what do I got to do to get a base hit here? <laughs> you know, he has a homer robbed, and you know, who started at third and then moved over to short. Another guy in AAA for the Padres who, you know, might end up contributing before the outfielders just because there's space and he can play every infield position for a guy who's not a natural shortstop or an everyday shortstop that was a really natural play in the hole made a good strong throw uh, I was impressed with that play as well I mentioned that the drought and the
1: U.S. had really dominated this game lately they weren't just winning games they were winning by routes so this was big I think for the world team does that matter at all as far as the Futures game going forward does at the end of the day does the score matter or is it just more about getting to see all this talent on
2: one field well the players who are on the field in any given year. Want to win, right? And I guarantee you, Moises Alou and Trevor Hoffman. Moises Lou said before the game that he was well aware that the World Team had not won a long time. He had more familiarity with his players than any manager. It's usually a figurehead, but because of Winter Ball and because of the work he's done with the Padres, he knew a lot of these guys. So he had a whole. He had Plan A, Plan B, Plan C for pitching. Like, he really wanted to win this game. So, in that regard, yes, but it flips over next year. I mean, it's going to be different personnel, especially because there is more of an emphasis to not have repeat performers. So, I don't, uh, you know, for today, yeah, they they wanted to win, and it feels good to, to be the team that ended that losing streak. But beyond this, no, I don't think it has an impact. There's more to this game and the Futures game than just
1: on the field. I mean, they come to San Diego. They're part of this All-Star weekend. They get to meet each other. They get to see the town. They're playing in a major league park. Uh, How important is this event for the development of these players?
0: Yeah, and they're on national TV too, which some of these guys probably haven't been unless they were maybe at the College World Series. I mean, it's one game, so I don't think it's like a huge leap in their development, but it helps. I mean, just talking to Josh Naylor today, in, you know, after he was impressive, he, he had the best BP for anybody on the world team. You know, he had seven home runs and they were getting out here pretty quick. And I asked him, you know, was it easier playing in this game because you were out here, out, you know, or easier even taking BP because you were out here two years ago with the Junior Home Run Derby in Minnesota. And he said, yeah, like, he was really nervous, especially on Monday night in Minnesota with when the crowd was packed and it was, the, you know, it was very noisy. And he said he's was a lot more relaxed. So I think it, what it helps is you know, for these guys, you know, the first time they get to the big leagues, they now will have played in a big league park on national TV with, you know, not necessarily a full house, but, you know, a fairly full house and a loud crowd. So I just think it makes it it's one more experience that they didn't have before.
1: You got to spend, you both got to spend some time with them, talk to them over at FanFest and that kind of thing. I've been impressed with with all the guys that I've gotten a chance to talk to as well, The just the the amount of respect they have for this and the coaches and everything I mean it's just a cool event and it seems like they love being here
2: well they they get what it's about you know it's this now the 18th year of the game it started out as sort of an experiment no one knew what it was going to be and it just continued to grow and grow where guys now have as career goals that if they don't make it to the big leagues quickly enough they want to play in this game they just look at the numbers they see the guys that go from that to being big leaguers big league all-stars things like that so they know that this is a a great stepping stone and and it's motivation for them they get treated like big leaguers they see what the whole atmosphere is like and obviously not every day in the big leagues is like the futures game but you play in front of big crowds and things like that every day and that's where they want to be so they take this back with them to whatever level they're at and i guarantee you that it, it pushes them to try to get to the next level All right, that's going to do it for this
1: edition of the Pipeline Podcast. It's been fun doing it together for a change, not over the phone and on location in San Diego, and everything's better in San Diego, I think. For Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis, I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.